just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. Of course, I'm in Minnesota. It is February. And uh, we get some snowstorms in this part of the country this time of year. Uh, We've got one coming through now. The first part of this snowstorm, the first wave, was supposed to come through here. And then it slipped north and kind of affected Duluth, Alexandria. If you know Minnesota, it's in northern and central Minnesota. And they got 8 to 12 inches up there, which kind of sucks for them. But um, the second wave apparently is coming through where I live, down in the metro area. And so it's starting to snow now. We're looking at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, they're saying maybe 4 to 6 inches of snow before it's all said and done. Now, to you people in the south, that sounds like a lot of snow. That sounds like that could be a big problem. I'll be honest with you. Four to six inches in this part of the country this time of year, pretty commonplace. It'll slow things down while it's snowing. It may cause some crashes and some delays and such. But once it stops and it's uh, plowed in short order, uh, everything will be pretty much back to normal. It won't take long to get that working again. You see, in Minnesota, we've become accustomed to dealing with snowfalls of four or six inches or even 10 or 15 inches. We've got all the equipment here, so it all gets taken care of pretty quickly. So while we get a snowstorm, it might ruin the day, but it's not going to shut things down for a week like in some other areas of the country, like, say, Dallas or something like that. So we're having to deal with a snowstorm. Thankfully, I'm sitting indoors, and we're just going to do the Rational Boomer podcast. Plenty of things to talk about. And, of course, the biggest news out there is this Russia-Ukraine crisis. 200,000 Russians sitting at the border of the Ukraine, threatening to invade while saying they're not going to invade, but they are going to invade. Everything they say and do now shows that that's what they're going to do. Joe Biden and uh, the U.S. government seems convinced that they're going to invade, but they have yet to do it. Now, For whatever reason, there is a summit set up for Thursday between Joe Biden and uh, Vladimir Putin. I don't know why that's going on. They've talked before. I don't know why Vladimir Putin, if he's going to invade, just fucking evade. And if Joe Biden is going to uh, slap down some sanctions, just fucking slap down some sanctions. But we're going to dance around this a little bit. However, the Russians are kind of pushing the envelope. As far as I'm concerned, they pushed the envelope past the limit, and now is the time for U.S. to react. Uh, Vlad Putin has ordered Russian troops into pro-Moscow regions of uh, eastern Ukraine. Uh, There are um, areas in eastern Ukraine, I think they call it in Donbass, it's a couple of areas there, and uh, there are run by Russian separatists, so they're not really an official government. They just got in there and they kind of run things. So what Vladimir Putin did is he sent troops into those areas thinking, well, 
you know, this isn't really an invasion because I'm sending them into areas that are are uh, aligned with the Russians. So it's essentially Vladimir Putin trying to push the envelope just a little too far. But, you know, Joe Biden said we're going to hold off on the sanctions until they start crossing the borders. Well, in spite of the fact that separatists control this part of the Ukraine, in fact, Russia did come across the Ukraine border. They're in Ukraine now, not in the major sections, but in that uh, eastern portion of the Ukraine. So tomorrow, actually today, today I'm doing this last night, so uh, today they're supposed to announce sanctions from the U.S. on Russia. Now, here's the weird thing about that. What they're doing is they're they're really stepping lightly around this situation. They're trying to avoid uh, putting these sanctions in effect because they'll be pretty uh, debilitating to Russia. Their economy is shitty right now, and they could have the uh, potential of crippling the entire Russian economy. But what they're planning to do when they announce these sanctions, it will only have to do with those things affected by those areas that where the separatists are and now where the Russian military is. So that's kind of a half-assed sanction. But I got to believe if they've gone into those areas, even if they don't consider that in Ukraine, this has got to put it to rest for Joe Biden and uh, U.S., They apparently are going to do it, and uh, time to slap down the sanctions. You know, fuck around and find out. You can go in there and try to take over Ukraine, but they're not going to have that easy of a time. I mean, I think a lot of us expected or thought, and I did, that Ukraine was this tiny country that's just going to get bowled over by Russia. Well, they are smaller than Russia. They would probably lose to Russia, but it's... Not that unbalanced. You have to understand the country of Ukraine geologically, or geographically, I should say, is bigger than most countries in Europe. There is a population in the Ukraine or Ukraine uh, of 42 million people. That's a lot of fucking people. And uh, there's talk that they want to go to Kiev, which is the center, the capital of uh, Ukraine. And that's the size of Chicago. We're talking 4 million people. So Russia's not going to roll in there with some troops and just take over. It's not going to be that easy. You know, Ukraine does have armed services, and they're ready and prepared to deal with this situation. Uh, Americans and other European countries have provided money and weapons and uh, equipment and those sorts of things. So it's going to be a little bit of a battle if they, in fact, go in there. And here's the problem for for uh, Vladimir Putin, even though he's telling people in Russia that they're being provoked, which they are not, he's making up shit to justify going into the uh, Ukraine. The They're going to have some ru- dead body bags coming back, Russian dead body bags. And how are the people going to feel about that? You hear ice? That's just water. I don't drink Here's the deal. We've got a country right now with Russia who isn't liking Vladimir Putin too much. They're not feeling him because he really only cares about himself. He doesn't care about the people. Sound familiar? Sounds like Donald Trump. So if 
he starts sending uh, troops into the Ukraine and uh, have them uh, unprovoked. And they start bringing back dead bodies, dead Russian military bodies. That's going to cause some problems. Then you throw on the sanctions, and they're going to freeze up some banks. So all these people that don't like Vladimir Putin in the first place are going to not be able to have access to their money. This could be quite a shit show in in Russia. And for the life of me, I can't believe that uh, Vladimir Putin is stupid enough to do that. Um, So they are in the Ukraine. And I just want to clarify something. I I, I say this a couple of ways, and I've heard it said a couple of ways. You can say Ukraine or the Ukraine. I don't know which is right. I don't care. I hadn't really thought about Ukraine until all this stuff was happening. But I got people on TikTok and saying, don't say the Ukraine. Well, I've heard them say that on TV, and I've heard them say Ukraine. Um, But when you've got... A country that's going to be invaded, do you really want to argue with me on semantics? Okay. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you're in radio. People wait for you to make a mistake, whether it's a mistake or not, and then they got to call you out on it. And I said, do you, did, did you understand the whole other point of the story? They just want to nitpick things and, and tell you that you're wrong. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you when I'm wrong. And uh, I've got something I'm going to tell you about a little later where I was categorically wrong. It's because I got the wrong information. So I'm going to own up to it. And whether it is the Ukraine or Ukraine, I don't fucking care. The bottom line is we've got an invasion that seems imminent in a country that hasn't provoked anything. So if you're upset about how I say it, the Ukraine or Ukraine, don't care. So now we've got Joe Biden sitting on the edge, and Joe Biden claims he's going to throw down these sanctions. And what we're going to hear about soon is uh, the sanctions that will affect only those regions where the separatist is, where the Ukraine is entered. And that, again, seems a little ridiculous because this thing has started. I don't know what Vladimir Putin's going to do or whether he cares or not that his Uh, citizens will suffer and struggle through these sanctions, he may not care. I've said all along I don't think he's going to invade, and I still question it. It's a stupid move. It's a no-win situation for him. But he's worried about his own reputation and looking like he's weak, uh, so backing up may seem like not an option. What I would like to see Joe Biden do right now, they pushed it as far as they can. They're actually in the Ukraine. What they need to do is slam the hammer down and lock down these fucking sanctions. You can always take them off, but you need to make them feel the pinch. Now, some of these sanctions won't be felt for uh, a few weeks or a few months, but you got to do it. You got to show that you're going to do it. Now, people will say, why hasn't Joe Biden done it now? Well, here's the deal. When you have a threat, or leverage over somebody, it's more powerful before you use it than after you use it. Once you put it in effect, unless you're taking these people out completely, over time they will adjust to it, and they will figure ways around it, and then it won't have nearly the power it does before you've levied that sanction. And Joe Biden knows this. He has more strength 
threatening the sanctions than he does actually putting the sanctions into action. Now, it will cripple the Republic or the Russian. <laughs> now, that's a that's a Freudian slip. I was going to say Republican. I meant to say Russian. I guess that's the same fucking thing. Anyway, so they can cripple the Russian economy. And frankly, they should. You've got a lot of countries banding together. NATO is banding together to push up against um, Vladimir Putin's and, and the Russian Russia's. And so here's what you need to understand. The reason this is going on right now, Vladimir Putin, before he was the uh, president or whatever they call him, uh, we had previous leaders. And Russia was once something called the Soviet Union, USSR. And basically it was Russia with a lot of satellite countries that they've taken over and taken control of. And at that time, the USSR was a far more powerful country. Well, then um, the, the communism and the Soviet Union kind of crashed. And all these countries separated, one of them being Ukraine. Now, here's the thing. Ukraine was a valuable part of the Soviet Union. It's a couple of reasons. They had a lot of the population. They had like 20% uh, of the population of the Soviet Union. It's also a very productive place. 25% of the food for the Soviet Union came from Ukraine. So there's a lot of valuable things here. They also uh, have ports on the ocean. Uh, they've always looked at uh, Ukraine as kind of a jewel to the Soviet Union before they broke up. And Vladimir Putin has this dream in his mind that he wants to bring the Soviet Union back together again. And one of the things that he's most fearful of is that the uh, Ukraine would become part of NATO. Now, if you don't understand what NATO is, NATO is a big club with a lot of countries in it. And the premise of this club, NATO, is that if anybody attacks one of the NATO countries, all the NATO countries fight back. So it's a big deterrent in attacking countries that are tied to NATO. Now, the Russians don't want Ukraine to be in the NATO. They feel like that will weaken their position, and it will. If you look at a map, most of the countries near Russia are in NATO. Ukraine is not. Now, some have said that Ukraine doesn't get into NATO because they aren't doing the things they're supposed to do, and I don't know that that's true. But I know that um, Russia definitely doesn't want them in NATO. Then they're kind of surrounded on that side by all NATO countries. And while Russia is big and powerful nuclear-wise, as far as just a conventional military, they're comparable to uh, some other countries and certainly not as big as all the NATO countries. So they're feeling a little uh, nervous about this. They're feeling like NATO and all these countries are trying to take away their power and maybe take over their country, which isn't true. NATO doesn't do that sort of thing. But they're using that as an excuse in order to get more aggressive and try to go after the Ukraine. They're looking at Ukraine as kind of the last straw that might break the camel's back. They lose Ukraine, and then they're in danger. 
which is not true. So they use that as an excuse because they want Ukraine back uh, connected to Russia. What he would like to do is get all of the countries back for the Soviet Union. So he can put that on his resume in 35 years from now. Um, he will be the guy that brought the Soviet Union back together. Well, that's not going to happen because many of those countries are NATO countries now. And he goes after any of them. They're all going to have some fucking problems with the rest of NATO. But he could be looking at the Balkans or Romania. So that's one of the reasons they want to shut him down. He goes to Ukraine and he is allowed to do that. Then he's going to start going after other places. And now we're in the middle of a Russian expansion again, which nobody fucking wants. The last thing we need is Russia to be more powerful. So we're still sitting waiting for what's going to happen with this. Even though Russia has entered Ukraine on the eastern side in those areas that uh, are run by separatists. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Joe Biden and the Biden administration decide to do. They're going to tippy-toe around this for as long as they can, because as I say, once they throw out the sanctions, they've blown their wad. And once they've blown their wad, they've got nothing else but to fight. And there is no way, there is no way anybody's going to send American troops to Ukraine and fight against the Russians. Then we're talking about World War III, and nobody's going to do that. And to be perfectly honest, um, Vladimir Putin understands that. It's going to be a really interesting process. It is a standoff. It is a game of chicken, so to speak. I understand why Vladimir Putin is doing it. It's probably not the best idea. Is he willing to risk his country's economy to gain what he looks at as a uh, jewel of the Soviet Union. I understand his need for it. It's a productive country. It has a lot of people. It's on an ocean. It uh, generates 25% of the food that Russia needs, so it's a valuable thing for them. The other thing that Vladimir Putin does not like about this thing with Ukraine is that they're becoming more Western or not Westernized? Uh, they're becoming um, more uh, democratic, and he sees that as contrary to the uh, Russian way of life. <clears throat> and he really believes he has a, a, a right to Ukraine, even though they are a separate sovereign country. He doesn't see it that way, so he's just wanting to go back and take what he believes is his or is the Soviet Union. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what Vladimir Putin decides to do. I mean, Vladimir Putin could decide to do a massive invasion, but if he does that and goes all the way to Kiev, there's going to be some heavy-duty battles between the border all the way to Kiev. This is a big country. There's going to be a lot of Russians that die. There's going to be a lot of Ukraine that dies. And then the sanctions will fall down on top of them, and the people in Russia, the citizens, will begin to struggle and suffer. The only thing that's going to happen in this whole process is that both Russia and the Ukraine are going to suffer mightily. There is going to be a lot of death and a lot of struggle and a lot of suffering. The only reason Vladimir Putin would want to do this is to feed his own ego. 
Now, under normal circumstances, with normal people, I would say, yeah, nobody's going to do that. But we know Vladimir Putin has a fucking huge ego and doesn't care about anybody else. But the one thing Vlad does have to worry about is an uprising in his own country by his citizens. Getting angry with the way things are going in the country because he's going into wars that are unprovoked. Putting the citizens in strife and getting military kids killed. That's not going to make them very popular. Now, I don't know about enough about Russia to know what they can do about it, but it seems there is some concern about that. Somehow, maybe Putin won't last very long there. Now, I don't know that the citizens can kick him out or elect him out, but when he's weakened like that, you can bet some other leader will crop up and that will be part of the transition. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that because it's uh, kind of a scary time for Ukraine and even those people in Russia. I wonder what the citizens of Russia are thinking about. I mean, everything they hear from the Russian government is that there's Ukraine uh, committing genocide on Russian people and trying to start wars and such. They're throwing up false flags to justify going in. And uh, I look at Russia maybe as I look at Trump Fox. They only watch Fox News. So they, did, they don't know any facts, information, or truth. They do that by choice. Now, the people of Russia don't have any choice. Everything they're hit with is a lie. And that's all they have to have reference to. So I'm not sure how they're feeling about this, but I know they're not a big fan of Vladimir Putin. So we'll watch this closely and see what happens. Everything is pretty um, mercurial right now. You're going to see something happen one way or another soon. I've said all along I can't imagine Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine. It just doesn't make any sense. But what he may do is he may try to bite off pieces at a time, like these two areas handled by the uh, uh, the separatists. That's an easy take. So he goes in there and takes them. Joe Biden throws down some sanctions on just those areas, and then maybe he tries to take another stretch, take it a bit at a time. Again, we're talking about a country that has 42 million people, a formidable uh, military, not as formidable as Russia, But there's going to be a fight, and it's not going to be an easy one for Russia. I mean, we've seen Russia go into other countries uh, and not do too well in a conventional war. Yes, they have nuclear weapons and stuff, but they're not going to use that sort of thing in these situations. If they were, they would have done it many times before. But even they are smart enough to know that that's a bridge too far. You start doing that, then the world's going to team up on you and take you fucking down. A lot of people think that Russia is this superpower that uh, can do whatever they want. And that's, that's really not the truth. Their economy is about half the size of the state of California. Not our whole country. It's about half the size of California. So we're not talking about a lot of money for a country that big. I mean, the fact is, all they make is uh, weapons, and they have gas and oil and that sort of thing. So they aren't a very stable country. It won't be much, it won't take much 
to knock them off their pedestal economically wise. And that may be part of the problem here. They feel like they're being left out or they're not being included or respected enough as an economic power. Well, the fact is they're not. They're not in a good space economically. And if the sanctions come down, they're going to have a lot of trouble. And then, of course, all the citizens of the country are going to have trouble. Now, people will say, well, it's not going to affect Vladimir Putin, you know, that he only cares about himself. So if everybody else suffers, what does he care? Well, some of the sanctions will have to do with the banking, which may in fact uh, affect some of his buddies, the oligarchs. Uh, They'll take them out of the world banking system, which will make it tougher for them to buy and sell things. Um, They will sanction oligarchs who have a lot of money, and all the money is not necessarily in Russia. It might be in this country. It might be in Europe. And if they start freezing up assets, you're going to have some pissed off oligarchs. And who are they going to call? They're going to call fucking Vlad and say, what the fuck are you doing here? And the fact of the matter is some of these oligarchs may be handling uh, Vladimir Putin's money. Nobody really knows where his money is, so it's presumed that some oligarchs are holding it for him and who knows where. So if they end up freezing these assets, these funds from oligarchs, they might very well be freezing Vladimir Putin's own funds. You know he's got to be looking at that, and that's what's got to happen from America. If he's fully into the Ukraine and all bets are off, this is the time Joe Biden, the Democrats, have to be tough. I know it's not in their nature, but they've got to be tough, and they've got to put everything into it and do what they can to take down Russia economically. If you don't hit them hard, they will never respect you, and they will keep doing this. See, that's the important thing here. Ukraine is one thing. If we don't shut them down here, then they're going to look at Romania, the Balkans, and other areas. So these are bullies. If you don't slap them down now and make them pay, you're going to deal with this for the rest of your life. There's a lot riding on this. And, of course, we're looking at the possibility of raising gas prices and other things if this uh, invasion happens. This has a big impact on the rest of the country and the rest of the world, for that matter. So it's very crucial that we somehow come to some resolution to this that is amenable for everybody. And then we take this stress and the strain off, take it off the table. It shouldn't be there in the first place. But here's Vlad Vlad Putin and, and Russia dicking around, trying to bully their way through and get what they want. They have a set of rules that they want America to address that they will and won't do. And America's saying, you know, you don't really have a position to push us around. So they're not getting much accommodations with those requests, and that's what's pissing them off. So that's why they're using that as an excuse to go into Ukraine. Whole thing's a fucking mess. And we're going to be watching it closely every day, probably, well, until we get some resolution to this. So this could go on a while, especially if they, in fact, do go in and there is a war. That's going to be a whole nother situation and another major impact on this world. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. 
Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, as of Monday, Trump's social media platform app is up and running, so to speak. We're getting reports that uh, there are some issues with the app. People are, have troubling, are having trouble downloading the app. They're having trouble registering the app. And uh, it's just not working the way it should. But I think they felt like they thought that President's Day was an opportune time for it. Good promotional angle, so that's why they did it. Uh, Devin Nunes, who was a former senator, I believe, um, he he is the CEO of the company right now, and and he says, well, it'll be up and running perfectly by the end of March. So why do you put it up in late February? Well, again, it may be the promotional reasons for starting it on President's Day. But between now and the end of March, this thing is going to run like shit. And that's not going to help the success of this thing. Now, I want to correct something. I had heard from a good source that um, this company would be charging users Four ninety nine a week, which sounds ridiculous. You don't start a new app. You don't start a new anything and start charging a bunch of money because until the app is up and effective and actually impacting huge numbers of people, it really has no worth at all. But that rumor had been going around that uh, the app, the Truth app, would be charging users four ninety nine a week or twenty bucks a month. Well, I did some other digging after I did the TikTok on that, and I found out that, uh, in fact, there will be no charge. There may have been some other app that they were confusing it with, but the Truth app, Donald Trump's app, will not be charging four ninety nine a week or 20 bucks a month. And uh, as I've said before, when I know I'm wrong, I'm going to admit I'm wrong. And that one, I was solidly wrong. There is no charge, which will be helpful in them in trying to expand on this app. But uh, again, as I've said before, um, Donald Trump has never been successful at anything. Nothing. He's a fucking loser. And this will fail, too, because it's it's ridiculous. You know, they, they want to talk about nothing will be censored, and this will all be about truth. But if you look at their rules and regulations, there are some things you can't say. And usually that would be negative things against MAGA, Donald Trump, and those sorts of things. So it's not really free uh, free uh, speech, and it's not necessarily the truth. Because we know Donald Trump, the last thing he's known for is the truth. I mean, him having an app called The Truth would be me like me having an app that said Long Beautiful Hair. <laughs> I don't have that. And neither does he as far as the truth goes. He's got nothing to add to that fucking thing. I'll make a prediction that Truth App might go a little well for a little bit, but ultimately it'll fade out like everything else Donald Trump has done in terms of social media. He's made some other attempts and it hasn't worked. 
We know that Donald Trump is good at fundraising, right? You know, he claims that uh, with the app he got a billion dollars of investors. We don't know that that is true, but it hasn't really started officially yet. So until we see some success from it, uh, we aren't going to suggest that that billion-dollar investment was well-advised, because I doubt it was. His uh, fundraising, he's pretty selfish with it. Here's the thing. He's fundraised it. By the end of January, he fundraised for political reasons, allegedly, $108 million. That's a lot of fucking money. That's a lot of fucking money. And uh, But he hasn't announced that he's running for president yet, and here's why. The moment he announces he is running for president, that $108 million has to be accounted for as far as campaign donations. But since he's not announced that he's running for president, he can take that $108 million and do whatever the fuck he wants with it, which is what he does. He grifts people, and that's how he makes his money. But here's the interesting thing. We've got um, the Republican National Committee. They've only raised like $52 million, a little more than half of what Donald Trump has raised. Now, Donald Trump is really big at throwing around endorsements. I'll endorse him. I'll endorse him. And he thinks his endorsement is invaluable. And he thinks that's enough because all the money he's bringing in, he's not really giving any of that money back to the RNC. So he's big on saving it for himself, using it for whatever reason he wants, because he hasn't acknowledged that he's going to run for president, but he's not giving it to the Republican National Committee, who needs it in order to get some of these other people elected to various positions. He thinks that the endorsement situation is enough, and uh, he's not going to give them any money. Well, he has given them some money. Now, keep in mind, he's raised $108 million. What he's given to the RNC amounts to $350,000, a small percentage of what he's brought in. And he probably did that to be able to say, yeah, I gave him some money. But all that money is going into a bank account. And since he's not a candidate as yet, he has free access to do whatever the fuck he wants with it. And to be perfectly honest, he's got a lot of problems to attend to, so he's going to need that money. But will that money keep coming in if nobody's getting anything in response for it? Will the Republican National Committee want to support Donald Trump if he's stingy with his money and not giving it to the other candidates? As I said, Donald Trump is free and easy with his endorsements. He thinks that's the most valuable thing he has because he's so important and he's so special. But what happens when those endorsements don't end up doing much? They don't help people win elections. In fact, they may help people lose elections. Donald Trump's a great fundraiser, but if he doesn't give the RNC any money, that's no good to them. And if his endorsements end up not <clears throat> end up not being worth a shit, then Donald Trump as a whole is of no use to the Republican Party. If Donald Trump can't generate votes, he is absolutely worthless to the Republican Party. And that's when the Republican Party will step back from him. That's when candidates will say, yeah, I don't need your endorsement. I don't even want you near me. 
And that'll be the point where we see um, a split between the RNC and Donald Trump. When he's no good to them, he will be discarded. I mean, that's how this world works. That's how politics works. If you can bring voters or you can bring money, you can be in the club. But if you can't do either of those things, well, then you're fucking out of the club. You're of no value to us anymore. And it doesn't matter if you're Donald Trump or anybody else. It's all about the money. It's all about the votes. And Donald Trump needs to uh, bring something to the table. And with all this information coming out, all these um, investigations, potential indictments, all the people that have been tied to him in the Republican Party getting exposed, once that all comes to light, Donald Trump will become a pariah in this country, not only to the general public, the intelligent people of this country, but even to the Republican Party. He will become a detriment to the Republican Party. He will cost them elections. He brings no money to the table because he's keeping it all for himself. So we're getting to that point right now as more and more is exposed. And Donald Trump is being stingy with his money. And his endorsements maybe don't work as well as they once did. Donald Trump will be abandoned. That's just the way it goes. As much as they act like they love him, as soon as he's bringing nothing to the table, he's fucking gone. He's disregarded. They're off on another direction. And I'm looking forward to that because that'll help the Republican Party at least get some semblance of sanity. But understand this. Donald Trump has set the tone for the Republican Party. The vast majority of the people um, in the Republican Party support Donald Trump and the things Donald Trump supports. But even if Donald Trump isn't involved, they've made that move. Even if Donald Trump is gone, we still have a problem with the Republican Party because uh, they're not into democracy. They're not even really Republicans anymore. They're authoritarian or fascist. And that's what they're going to be selling. And there's a certain faction of people in this country that will buy it. They're stupid. Um, they're Trumplicans. And they don't hold enough percentage of population in this country to really have any impact as more gets exposed, the normal people in the Republican Party who just vote Republican because they always vote Republican are going to have to take a second look at what these fucking people are doing. Mitch McConnell's all nervous that there'll be more Trump-like people running for office, and they're crazy, and they're ridiculous, and they're not likely to win. And if that's who they're putting up against Democrats, and they're not likely to win, well, then... Uh, Republicans not only will lose power, they will have zero power. And that's what I'm hoping for, ultimately. The making these kinds of mistakes, sticking with Donald Trump after he goes down the tubes. Republicans lose more seats in the Senate, more seats in the House, then all of a sudden Democrats have total control and they can do whatever the fuck they want. That's what I'm hoping for. We'll see Build Back Better and some of the other bills that they want to do. <laughs> Now, for those two years after the midterms, assuming Republicans lose, they're going to have to spend two years retooling and reinventing themselves. And it's hard to say what they'll do. I mean, most of us understand that the people that are the real terrorists, the real treasonists, is a small percentage of people in this country. Small by comparison, anyway. We're talking 
maybe 30% of this country are Trumplefucks. Now, they fought for those people because they wanted the votes. But imagine this. Say we get to 2022, and uh, we've got the Trumplefucks, and we've got the people trying to get back to normal in the Republican Party. Now, that's essentially split the Republican Party. You split the Republican Party, the Republicans can't win shit because there isn't enough of them. I don't know what the Republicans, the normal, relatively normal Republicans do. Do they vote Democrat? I doubt that. They may just not vote at all or vote for some third-party person. But people with any integrity won't be able to vote for Republicans, especially if they're the Trump-level fucking nutcase conspiracy theorist. They won't be able to bring themselves to vote for those kinds of people. And that's what Mitch McConnell is so fearful about. Donald Trump's endorsing people because they think that's the magic uh, potion to getting elected. And, of course, the only people he's endorsing are these crazy QAnon fucks. And nobody's going to vote them in. That's why Mitch McConnell is having fits with what's going on. Everybody's still standing by Donald Trump. But as more and more his power fades away, there are going to be people jumping ship. But the problem is these people will still have the stink of Donald Trump on them. Nobody will forget that they stood that they stood by him for five years. You can't just jump shit and ship and say, hey, I'm a new guy. I, I, I didn't really mean all that shit. That's not going to work. This is going to ruin people's careers and people's lives. And it's well-deserved. That's what should fucking happen. So this is going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Republicans not happy with Donald Trump, but he's still bringing in votes, at least in their mind. I think they'll find he's going to hurt more elections. And then when that happens, we're going to see a shakeup in the relationship between Republicans and Donald Trump. Over and above the criminal indictments in New York and Georgia, what you have to understand is Donald Trump has over 20 civil lawsuits to contend with. He has massive legal bills while keeping up payments on $1.3 billion in debt where he's making payments on these loans. He's got to make payments on $1.3 billion worth of debt in order to keep his companies above water. But he's got bigger problems than that. His three golf resorts in Scotland and Ireland have lost over $100 million. He's got to refinance his Trump Tower to the tune of $100 million, and that's coming up in September. However, his company's under indictment. His accounting firm bailed on him. Nobody's going to loan him money. So what's he going to do? How's he going to refinance? Is he going to take that $100 million out of his war chest for running for president and pay that off? Wouldn't fucking surprise me. You know, as long as these Trump are willing to send him money, stupidly, but send him money, he'll have some income to keep himself afloat. But I can't see that he's going to have enough. No legitimate source, no legitimate bank, will loan him money. There's going to be a financial instability. Well, there already is a financial instability in his companies. All his hotels are losing money. His golf resorts are losing money. Everything is losing money. Then he's got these lawsuits, and these lawsuits could be sizable. Now, you recall there's a bunch of people in D.C. that are suing Donald Trump over his actions 
in the January 6th insurrection. He felt like he had some immunity because he was president at the time. He could do whatever he wanted. Well, a federal judge said, no, that's not true. We can let these uh, lawsuits go forward. Now, he may appeal it, probably will appeal it, but he's not likely to uh, win any of those appeals because he hasn't won any appeals as yet. But once those get into play here, once he has to actually interact with the lawsuits, he'll now have to testify, which is a huge problem for Donald Trump because he can't tell the truth, and now we're talking about perjury. But his legal bills are huge. His companies aren't making money. He's got to refinance Trump Tower to the tune of $100 million, and he's got no place he can get a loan from. His golf courses are losing money. The uh, three in Ireland and Scotland have lost over $100 million. There's nothing making money in Donald Trump's world except grifting from the Trumplefucks. But the Trumplefucks have limited money, and limited patience. How long are they going to continue giving money when they get absolutely nothing in return? I mean, he told them, give me money and we'll fight election fraud. All he did there is prove that no election fraud ever happened. So they got nothing for their money. Now he's going to talk about running for re-election in 2024. And he's only saying that because he wants to grift more money. And there's idiots that will say, here's the money, run, 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 Donnie, run. But Donnie won't run, and he won't admit to running during this whole process. So basically, that money goes into his pack. He can pull it out, pay salaries to his family, put money in his pocket, pay bills, whatever the fuck he's going to do. As long as it's in that pack and he's not running for any office, he's free and clear to do whatever he wants with the money. So why in the hell would he commit to running for president and then have to limit access to that money. He's not. And I'll be honest with you, he's not going to run in 2024. He's going to be 78 years old. He's in far worse shape than Joe Biden is. Uh, Cognitively, he's losing ground a lot. He sounds dumber and more lost every fucking day. He's probably going to be indicted on something, and once he's indicted, he won't be able to run for office anyway. So there's no way he's going to be running for president in 2024. But still, the Trump will send him money in hopes that he will. Once again, Donald Trump will fail, and Donald Trump will disappoint a lot of fucking people. I want to talk a little bit about public education. I've told you my wife worked in, uh, in education as a teacher. I even worked for a public school for a long time. And right at this point, It seems like our government is trying to take down public education. And public education is in crisis right now. I mean, just in my state, the Minneapolis Public Schools District and the St. Paul School District, two of the biggest districts in the state, are likely, if not definitely, going to strike at some point in the next week or two. And all they can do if they decide to strike is shut the schools down, and when the strike's over, try to make it up at some other point, like in the summer, or take away some of the vacation days or whatever. It depends on how long the strike goes. As I say, our school districts, not just in Minnesota, all around the country are in trouble. 
because of something I, I actually predicted about 10 years ago, and I was telling my wife this. For decades and decades, teachers have been kind of mistreated. They haven't been supported in their schools. They haven't been paid properly. And the districts had treat them like they were easily replaced, and they just throw them away. School districts don't treat teachers very well. Now we're in a much different world. I said back then, with all the boomers retiring, there's a large percentage of baby boomers that are teachers in this country. And all of them are coming of age where they're going to retire. And the problem is a lot of these young people don't have the interest in being teachers anymore. And those that do end up being teachers often only do it temporarily until they find their real job and their real career. So nobody's committing like my wife or some of her friends did 30 years ago. Said, I want to be a teacher. That's my dream. I want to work with kids. I'm going to be a teacher for 30 years. Most young people aren't doing that. So the problem is, as we're looking at it now, and it's going to get worse, that there is a shortage of teachers. Now, I remember one time when the Minneapolis public schools did strike. This was when I was a little kid, like 11, 12 years old, and I was in school, and our teachers did strike. It was kind of a weird situation. We still had to go to class. I guess they got scabs in there or administrators to teach the class, and it wasn't that long. It was a week or two. Um, But right now, this is an opportune time for teachers. Like a lot of employees or prospective employees, for the first time in their careers, maybe the first time in history in this country, the employee has the leverage. There's a shortage of employees, and particularly in education. There isn't enough teachers right now, and it's going to get worse. If you go into any school and some teacher is sick or has to be out for some reason, try to find a substitute. There are very few. So what happens is, if you don't have a substitute, maybe an administrator comes in to babysit, or they roll you into another classroom, so now instead of 25 kids, you got 50 kids. And the problem is, kids aren't getting educated properly. Like, take through the whole COVID pandemic thing. You had people... um, teaching on the computer to kids on the computer. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. Those kids didn't learn much during that time period. It wasn't the same as being in front of a teacher. Hell, they'd have their classrooms and half the kids wouldn't show up. The parents didn't know how to work the uh, computers or they just didn't care enough to make their kids take the class on the computer. So for those whole two years, kids learned very little. And now we're looking at strikes and uh, losses in teachers. So you're going to have a lot of kids showing up to school essentially loitering because all that's going to happen is they're going to be babysat and they're going to give them worksheets. I never understood this about this country. If there's one thing we should invest in, it's education. Not only in the public school level, but in the college level. You send these kids out with all this debt, and there's a lot of kids that can't get educated because they can't afford it. But if we're a country hoping to progress, hoping to maintain power in our world, 
We should want as many educated kids as we can possibly get, both through uh, from kindergarten to high school. That's the bottom line that everyone should at least have. And whether it be trade school or colleges, we want kids to go to college and trade schools and graduate. But instead, we put them in debt and make it less less appetizing to go into college because either you can't afford it or refuse to be put in that much debt. That's why I've said before, when it comes down to uh, forgiving student loans, that should definitely be done. We want to encourage more people to get educated. The fucking problem in this country is we have too few people educated. And those uneducated, of course, are in love with Donald Trump or the whole authoritarian concept. It's what happens when you have stupid people in your country. So among other things that we need to do in this country, we need to make being a teacher appetizing. Something that somebody wants to do. Something that they want to make a career out of that. And the only way we can do that is if we make administrations treat teachers better. Make it more enjoyable. Now, it's not just money when you're coming with teachers. Here's the problem in most schools. The administration don't support teachers. And we've got parents that want their kids who aren't very bright to be uh, in the accelerated classes because they want to tell their neighbors that their kids are smart, even though they're not smart. You take a, um, a gifted kid in an urban area and you compare them to a gifted kid um, in some more affluent era, and you're talking about two different intellectual levels. So a kid that's gifted in the public schools, that's all relative. It's where they are, how much money they have, and that should not be. We should be trying to make everybody highly educated because that's what's going to make our country strong. That's one of the reasons we don't manufacture things. Kids aren't being trained to do that. That's maybe another reason why we have limited um, employees for jobs. Part of it is that that the uh, boomers are retiring. That's the big part of it. Probably 70% of the problem is that. The other problem is we have uh, mothers or parents that can't go to work because the daycare was either too cost prohibitive or just not available. So somebody has to stay home with the kid and there's less people in the job market. And that's why we have less people working. I know the Republicans would love you to believe that it's because people are too lazy to work. Well, what the fuck do you think they're doing? Too lazy to work? You think they're trying to live off welfare? Nobody can live off welfare. Unless it's uh, the welfare to the affluent, the rich, the $2 trillion tax breaks, they're doing fine. But we need to address the situation with education. It's in deep trouble right now. And it's a bigger problem than I think people make it because 20 years, 30 years from now, if we have a lot of kids, a lot of people that aren't educated, they can't get this country to progress because we don't have the educated people to do the jobs or do the work necessary to keep things flowing in this country. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with schools. I know we really got to get through 2022, make sure the Democrats win, and then hopefully once they win in the House and the Senate, we start to see some real changes in this country. 
We're not going to see it now with the Republicans obstructing. To be perfectly honest with you, I think the Republicans would be happy to shut down every public school and make every one of them a charter school or a private school. And let's be perfectly honest, charter schools, I've seen them. Some of them do a decent job, but a lot of them do a shit job. So that doesn't do us any good if we're sending kids to shitty schools. The one thing that should be most important to us is that we have the most educated kids when they go out into the workforce. The other thing is we got to make sure they're not in deep debt so they're held down. We need them to flourish. If we want this country to flourish, we need our kids, our students, and ultimately adults to flourish. The more people that are successful, the more successful this country is. Hopefully we can get somebody to understand and believe that because up to now that's not been the case. People are looking for ways to take away money from the school district. And it's not just about taking the money away, too. We've got to address the administrators because a lot of times a lot of money goes into school districts, but it doesn't trickle down to the classroom. Somehow gets caught up in the middle. All the drains are blocked and you can't, the money doesn't get down to where it's supposed to. It gets stuck in the administrative level. That's another problem we need to fix. All right. We're going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with us. If you have questions, comments, or complaints, by all means, just uh, email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave me a voicemail. You have a great day. We're going to tough it out through the snowstorm. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.